90% of my bad client experiences was not being savvy enough to say, you have other steps to do before we work together. And so then I would take on whatever because I wanted the client or I needed the money or whatever the case may be. And then was sitting there going, why did I do this to myself? Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today is a guest lecture episode. We have Jamie Russell on with us, and she is all things systems and workflows and client management and client experience. And she's fantastic. She's actually someone I hired uh, pretty, well, probably about a year ago using a specific product called Dubsado, which I'm going to link to um, in the show notes, because it is absolutely one of my favorite main business use programs, really, uh, next to like Acuity and Slack, I would say. It does all things like invoicing and emails, and now they just added a new feature, so they actually do scheduling as well. So you might not even need Acuity. Pretty fantastic. Anyways, she's a wizard in it, and I hired her to help me create workflows because you can basically automate your client onboarding process where they get invoices, they pay you, and then there's just, you know, to-do lists and items that you get alerted of that you can pre-set up. It's pretty fantastic, pretty beautiful and seamless product and customizable really as well. This is turning into a promo episode. I should ask them for some money. Anyways, no, but seriously though, folks, uh, Dubsado is fantastic. Please check it out if you're looking for anything like that. But yeah, Jamie Russell is here to talk to us about client management and experience and what that all means and why it's important in our business. And of course, she shares a little bit about her education journey and some of the choices that she made. I loved learning about her uh, her past as well and the fun things that she studied and how she ended up where she is now. So I think you'll enjoy this episode and you will definitely learn a lot. So thank you, Jamie, for guest lecturing for us. And I hope you guys enjoy this one. All right, here we go with another guest lecturer. We have Jamie Russell with us today. I'm so excited she is uh, a genius when it comes to workflows, systems, automation, tech, uh, little tech hacks and all of that stuff. And um, I'm excited to share her with you guys because I know we had Adrian Dorson on actually uh, talking about clockwork and some of those early stage decisions we make in our business when we start to bring in other uh, people, when we start to get help, uh, because that really is the only way that you can grow your business is by bringing in folks to take some stuff off your plate. And Jamie is one of those people that I hired. I hired Jamie. She's a pro. Does Dubsado do certification or anything? Not yet. Not yet. So I hired her for a specific app, which is an amazing tool, Dubsado which handles invoicing and project management and even emails of your clients and money. Like it even does like a little bit of bookkeeping. Um, But it's a great tool uh, because they do workflows. And so a client could have an inquiry and then they get a specific email. And then like it basically can auto trigger different things. And I remember when I reached out to her, I was just drowning and like keeping up with who do I need to follow up with? Who did I send the proposal to? Like, where do I, how do I send the contract? And I knew that this tool would handle it. And I just needed someone else's brain on how to set that all up. And so Jamie was my gal. Um, So that's kind of how we met. And we've known each other for a little over a year at least, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited too, just because like 
before you hired me, I was sort of stalking you through Funnel Playgrounds. So oh, yeah. it was super <laughs> interesting when I'm like, wait, how did she end up in my list? Like, I don't even know. Couldn't cool. even tell you. I think it was like Dubsado, probably the group. Yeah. Like I love joining the groups for the apps. Right. And seeing how people are using stuff, seeing how people are, you know, troubleshooting that kind of thing. It's such an important part of the space. But yeah, do you want to add anything to your introduction about what you're up to right now in business and who you help? Um, not really. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me right now is realizing that automation is so multi-leveled. And Ooh. I think that's where a lot of people just overthink it and they, mm. they get stressed out over it is because they get what I like to term shiny system syndrome and they, they want to look at everything. It. Yeah. And so I've realized like, okay, every entrepreneur, yes, needs the same type of stuff. They all need to automate. They all need to delegate. But like, there's different levels of that. There's different stages of your business. You need mm. one. And oh, that's so key. trying to figure out where that fits into my business model and like those types of things. So it's exciting, especially for me, because that's my personality and I love organizing and creating systems. But it's also like, okay, like what can I actually deliver that they need versus what I think they need? Because I'm geeking out over it. Totally. So <laughs> oh, that's it's, huge. It's fun. Yep. It's yep. fun. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. And I think we had a little bit of a of a pre-chat and you're so right. Like different stages of business, you worry about different mm -hmm. things. And I think when there's so much that you quote unquote could do in your business, um, it's really easy to just go, oh, now I need that. Now I need that. Right. And then in, instead of like taking action or like we talked about, like getting clients, which is really important, um, <laughs> we can kind of lose ourselves in, you know, the apps or Right. Um, you know, the technology and all of that, which I like playing around there too. I love hacks. I love a good hack. I love finding like, you know, new software and playing with it. So right. I shiny system syndrome is a thing for me. My husband <laughs> will laugh because he's like, you love jumping on new things, but then you need me to like dig you out once you've like <laughs> done something <laughs> like that's it's undoable. Sand, like I'm gonna make sure to get you out. Yeah. Exactly. Funny. I there's a very specific moment actually. Um, my listeners would probably appreciate this. When I was doing my <laughs> dissertation and I was definitely using Scrivener, which is a very popular writing tool. Mm. And that's sort of like dragon dragons for voice recognition. Yeah. Oh, okay. so you could like voice recognition, like run audio. Maybe if you're, you know, yeah, I used to do qualitative research. And so, you know, you know, transcribe my, my interviews would be amazing, but then you could also like talk out your dissertation. Right. Yeah. I didn't actually really get into it. I never found it work really well for me personally, <laughs> but funny. Scrivener I loved. And one day I remember, Oh, it was like before my proposal was due, which is a huge step in the process. It's kind mm -hmm. of the big like you turn this in, it's like your lit review, your intro, you know, statement of the problem, big chapters in your dissertation. You turn that into your committee and they kind of decide if you're allowed to do the research study. And if you can't, you have to like start over. It's like the scariest thing. So anyways, I'm like printing it out and I'm just, I all of a sudden start bawling. Like it's mm. not setting up the formatting correctly. And I just like, I'm in such a state of like, kill everybody and just crying right. and my husband goes over there and like figures it out like Mr. Calm. Oh. Um, yeah. So like, sometimes they're great tools. Button and you're like Fail. exactly like oh my god I deleted it all. Yeah but he's a great digger outer of problems. So I, I think that's what makes me risky. Like I can take risks because I know he can save me. Uh, anyway awesome <laughs> little insight into my husband and my relationship as well um so jamie uh on this podcast we like to talk about our education backgrounds like right. what we studied 
So, you know, if you want to give us any information <laughs> about like what you, you know, what schooling looked yeah. like, look like for you. And I know you worked in an institution. So mm-hmm. yeah, give us a little bit of that uh, background. So I actually graduated as a culinary arts major. No way! <laughs> yes, totally different than what I'm doing. And Do you like to cook a, still? I do. I, I like to cook. And I think that's what happened is like I, I had this like narrowed focus for the longest time. My mm. my grandfather pretty much was a huge influence on my life. And so mm. he sat me down, I, I swear, at like 12 and was like, well, what do you want to be? And at that time, I wanted to be a chef. And so I had done all this research on what schools to go to. So I had this narrow focus. I applied to one school and one school only, got in, nice. got my scholarships, I went. And then I got like a year and a half into my degree. And the culinary arts degree is only two years, but I I got to my internship and I ended up interning for Disney um, mm. in Florida. And I was like, I'm going to hate this. Like, if I keep going, I'm going to hate this. So I, I figured out, like, if I wanted to still love cooking, I needed to f- figure out my degree, basically. And mm. went back home and I actually had a really good friend who was doing the culinary arts teaching program, like, to be a family consumer science teacher. And he sat me down and he's like, okay, well, what do you like about it? Why do you like those things? And it, it broke down to, well, you probably should have been a business major. Ah. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, but I don't want to switch. Like, what do I do? And luckily, I was on the track to go to food service management anyway. So what I just did is I took my electives and basically adapted it to my degree and oh, cool. took a whole bunch of entrepreneurship courses and marketing. Oh, that's and- awesome. Yeah. So luckily, my college was very flexible in how I did my degree and like my electives. Mm-hmm. But people look at my resume and they're like, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> like there's a restaurant next door. No, <laughs> no. Like it's cool. I feel That's like entrepreneurship <laughs> can be like cooking. No, sort there's of some great like uh, <laughs> parallels. Yeah, maybe no. Maybe. Well, I feel like they're way more open minded Mm. as an entrepreneur. And I that was that was a lot of it was just the that's interesting. And I know it's better now. But, you know, 15, 20 years ago, Uh like it wasn't like that. You know, it it was, oh, you're a woman like we're sticking you on the dessert station. And I'm sitting there going, excuse me, like hot stations over there. Like I went to school for this. Like, why am I here? Yeah. So it's it. I know it has changed, but it still is like. Yeah, I don't I don't regret it because it's still long hours. It's still a lot of dedication. It's still a lot of you're working holidays because mm. restaurants don't close. Yeah, like, no, those people work so, hard, man. Owners of restaurants also yeah. like, yeah. Right. And that was sort of my thing where I'm like, I want to build a business. Like, I like the business, but I want control. Mm. Like, I don't want to have to do things just out of obligations. So that that was a big turning point for me in college and i've still stumbled a little bit along the way trying to figure out how to adapt my degree to what as we, we do, do as we do yeah. yeah but yeah i sort of stumbled in that academic realm and there ended up being a lot of me doing workshops like i was oh, a national cool. officer for an organization and so like teaching just sort of always seemed like that appealing thing uh-huh. but I've been friends with enough teachers and saw mm, their struggles mm-hmm. to be like, I don't want to get my certification. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> like, I feel for you guys yeah. because it's like you you do, you pour yourselves into not only yourselves, but your communities and the people that you're trying yeah. to serve. And I don't know, like I always was close enough to be involved, but not so close to like, say I'm a teacher. Make that your profession. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I thought about going administrator route for a minute, mm. like going right to being a dean or a principal or something. And I'm like, yeah, you I'm saw good. how unhappy those folks were. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> it's a different like, kind of I'm, unhappy. Yeah. Well, I did appreciate though. Like, I feel like the people that really do well, like they almost never retire. Mm-hmm. They're they're so mm-hmm. good and they love it so much that mm-hmm. like they just they don't want to leave. And yeah. I think that's what always drew me in was that like compassion that does come out of education, but it's mm. starting to be more few and far between. Yeah than the norm yeah and that, that's what's disheartening about it so yeah like in i just happened to fall into like i moved back to vegas um which is where my my family originally is from oh cool and i started volunteering with the organization that i was a national officer for which is uh collegiate deca so if there's any marketing teachers in the audience like i'm sure you've heard of deca or fbla okay and so i was volunteering through them and the university caught on to like how we were making relationships in the community because yeah. Vegas started getting a lot of those Silicon uh-huh. Valley entrepreneurs uh-huh. and angel investors coming into Vegas and because it's cheap there cheap. and whatever. Cheap to live. So yeah. yeah, like we we started building these relationships versus like just trying to be a student org and they're like, okay, you're good at what you do. How do we hire you? Mm. And it just is sort of was this natural I was building the relationships through the university, a position opened up with the Center for Entrepreneurship, go figure. Mm. And I started helping them. And I was there for, I think, two years before I met my hus- my now husband. And he moved me out to Illinois. So I've sort of been a little bit of everywhere through my journey. But it's always sort of had this steady thing of business and helping others and serving the community and trying to teach in some respect, whether it's an online webinar or an in-person workshop, like I've always had that in me, in my heart. So I always tell people I have a heart of a teacher. I just Mm. don't have the degree to back it. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Like I, I, I like doing what I do. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think entrepreneurship, there's a lot of kind of teaching that has to happen in it, you know, Mm -hmm. so many different levels. So very cool. Well, that's fun to to right. learn about you. I didn't know a lot of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, all over the place. Tell people that and they're like, wait, what? Like, how did you get here? That's so well, funny. No, that's you know. super cool. Um, So when did the business come into play? When, like, when did it, like, what were yeah. kind of some of your first thoughts around starting a business? And how did you kind of really realize that you could? Obviously, the marketing background and the entrepreneurship right. background definitely helps. Right. But what's funny about it is like when I found out uh, that there was even this online right. sector of anything or these communities that we're building, like, why didn't they tell us about this in college? Mm-hmm. Like, or I just got out of UNLV. I was only about a year or so removed. And one of the things that I helped lead was we had a student-led venture fund and we had people coming in there to pitch sort of Shark Tank style all the time for money because we had money to actually donate out. And I'm like, we heard about tech startups, people wanting to do apps and stuff, but Mm. you never really heard about it. So I'm like, why did I not know that this whole other possibility around was here? So what happened is we moved to Illinois and I was pregnant. And so Mm. I was sitting here basically on maternity leave. It just worked out with my contract and how I moved. And I started, I don't want to say depressed, but I was starting to get this, like, I can't be a mom the rest of my life. Like, that's not my greater purpose in the world. Sure. And I don't want to knock anyone out Mm -hmm. there who's like an at-home mom because I will completely say I failed at it and I give it to you because I can't do the whole all the time mom thing. I just, it's not in me. 
And but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to go back to a 60 hour week where I can't take off work for my kids either. So what do I do? Like I have these talents and I went to school and I've got all this industry experience and knowledge and things that I know. And how do I make this happen? And I was talking to one of my old friends and she's like, why don't you become a VA? I'm like, uh-huh. Uh. Like a veteran? Like what, <laughs> right. what does that what, mean? What is a VA? And she's like a virtual assistant. And I was like, aren't those drones? Like you go hire one of them in a company that works in who knows for pennies. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, like this is what people are doing now. They don't want to go to corporate. They don't want to work for someone else. They want to make their own money and do their own thing. And she's like, you have control. You make it as small or as big as you want it to be. And I'm like, huh. So I started researching. I stumbled on like virtual savvy and, you know, like the uh-huh. nine to five and started just digesting content and was like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to pull the plug. Mm. Um, I'm going to just I'm going to jump and let's let's do this. Because I felt like with my personality, had I sat on the information for too long, I would have never done it. Ooh, yeah. I, I just wouldn't have done it. So I just was like, all right, let's start getting clients. And one of my first clients was actually a friend who was looking for people for his book. Um, ah. He needed addresses and things to send his book out to. Smart. So I did that for him mm-hmm. and was like, okay, I can do this. We're good. Like, I can make the schedule work. We'll, we'll make this happen. And then through that, I was like, I need an invoicing system and I need to send proposals and I need these things and started learning Dubsado. And after learning it for so many hours, I was like, okay, I can't be the only one who spends hours watching these videos. What if I did this for my business? Like, mm-hmm. why why wouldn't someone be doing this? And there were a few people back then, but it wasn't a, as big no. of a deal, I feel like, yeah. as they've grown, that market has also grown. So yeah, like it just, it ended up being that divine sort of aha moment and I wrapped into it and now I'm sitting here almost two years later trying to figure out, okay, what's my next step? Like, where do I grow? Where do I scale? There's just so many possibilities and, you know, what does that mean for now? My, my, uh, my child is two, two, almost three. So I'm Mm. going, "Hmm." timing of it. Like I need it to be more passive than really one-on-one clients. Like, what do I do? So yeah, it's it's been a journey for sure. Like to go from, oh man, like how do I get a nine to five? I don't want to get a nine to five. I don't want to sit here and waste my talents to now like seeing where I've been and what I've done with my my business and, you know, interacting with the people I have online and and being a part of other people's businesses, I think has just been huge for me because I I hate stumbling across the entrepreneurs where it's like you can tell like they're just making money to make money. Like they're not really wanting to invest their time in Mm. their audience. And it just, it drives me crazy because I'm like, that's awesome. Like you've been doing business for eight years or whatever, and you've got this huge email list, but like, are you really helping people? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you, what, what are you doing for people other than just making them feel good? So I like to take it from that, not only transformational end, but like, I want to be a part of my client's business and get to know them and what they need and you know, it, like you saw it with my process too, where yep. it's like, okay, you want to do this, but like, what are you trying to achieve? What mm-hmm. is the goal here? What does that mean for you? Well, then, okay, you don't need this. You actually need to do this. Like, that's where my savviness really comes in is being able to discern other people's sort of lives and backgrounds and lifestyles to mm. make it work for their business. Cause why else would we be doing this? That's like, why would you important. be an entrepreneur? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I love that. And I, and that, I mean, I, that's how I can see though, how it kind of all ties together for you though, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know a little bit about your background and your interests as well. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you start getting a lot of clients and then you start having to manage (laughs) um, a lot of people, (laughs) right? Like, um, and that's the funny part about running a business is kind of hitting that. I don't know. It feels like, I don't even know what I would describe it feeling like just the overwhelm of you're just trying to keep your head above the water. Because for me, and this is, you know, maybe it was different for you, but like, I'm not a systems person. And so for me, I was like, once I was drowning, then I was looking for someone like Jamie, right? And it was like, Mm -hmm. balls were being dropped, you know, a little bit here. And it's like, oh, the customer journey is so, you know, customer experience is so important. And like, I'm missing, you know, updating them. And there's all these things that I felt like I could have done better. And I just like needed someone to cut through the noise and like help me organize myself. So Jamie, I'd love, you know, as the guest lecturer, um, Mm -hmm. and I know I prepped you a little bit on my audience, but if they're kind of like doing this thing kind of solo right now, but they know that they're, that their time is limited. A lot of, some of these folks, man, are working full time. You know, they're squeezing in the like side hustle, right? You know, Mm -hmm. what's kind of some of your tip, your top tips or advice for like getting the, like, what are the first stages of automation look like? And like, what should they be focused on? So I think for, for me, and we talked about this a little bit is that when you come in as either a new business owner, or maybe you've sort of dipped in the pond a little bit, or you're exploring whatever the case may be, you're either the type that is sitting back really calm, cool and collect, like in the corner, just watching everything happen. And you're taking your notes and not really sure how you're going to do it. And like I just said, if, if you don't jump in, you're not going to jump in. Mm. So like knowing that it is okay to not like have all your stuff together. Like you don't need to be perfect coming out of it. Um, And in fact, looking back, I wish there were things I never bothered with. For example, like parts of my website, Mm, I didn't read my website right out the gate. Like I needed a social media page and like my email. (laughs) Like I didn't need to have a website or an about me page or I needed to know what my services were, but you don't have to have a website Mm. to communicate that. It's true. Um, In fact, in Dubsado, you could very easily make like a landing page with their lead capture form. You don't have to go out and like spend a bunch of money or invest in all these programs right out the gate because what happened is I got three months into my business and then went back and had to hire a copywriter to redo all of my work. Mm. So here I had spent all these hours doing something that I probably shouldn't have even been doing to begin with yep. that ended up not even being what my business model was because <sighs> I didn't want to just be an admin VA. I specialized in something. So it's like, what do you actually need to be focusing on right now? And like figuring those things out, especially if you don't have any time. So I get it. Like it's overwhelming. There's tons of things, but you've got to jump in and just, you know, dip your feet in, figure out what is good for you, what you don't like to do, because we all have it. We all have that. No, I'm not doing that. Or no, I don't Mm -hmm. want those services type of thing. And you won't really know until you go, like you start talking to people and interact and start doing projects. The other part is like the people that just run in sort of blindly and maybe Mm. haven't really looked at anything. And then they're like me where you grew way too quick for your britches and didn't know what to do with it after you got (laughs) in. And you're like, okay, I know how to do this stuff, but I'm now completely overwhelmed and, and flooded and not knowing what step to take next. And 
for me, I immediately hired a team. And looking back, I feel like I hired way too soon. I did that a little um, bit too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, like there, there's either one of two ends, like you're either not starting and trying to take that perfectionist route, or you're like diving straight in and not really thinking it all the way through and mm-hmm. making those like really hard mistakes. So um, for me, I like to tell people like the first things I would look at is, okay, do you have an email? Like, do you have something set up to communicate other than, you know, your personal stuff? Do you have hours in your week? Dedicate those. Don't just say, well, if I get two hours this week, like, tell yourself Thursday at this time, like this is what I'm doing so that it's like a constant and you can start to figure out where your time lies in your week. Um, Because oftentimes, once you figure out how much time you have in your week, you can then go, okay, I want to offer XYZ service. Well, is XYZ service going to happen in that 10 hours you have? Or do you need to do something else right now until you have more time? So I think for us, like we see all these other online influencers or people that have been in business for, you know, 10 plus years or however they've been out there and we want to do what they're doing and not realize like they've been in business for 10 years. Like look Mm. at where they started. Like they didn't start full, you know, gung ho in with a team and everything else. And so you've got to climb that ladder to sort of get in there. And to do that, I think the beginning step is how much time do you have? Like, do you have the time to dedicate, you know, is there money that you feel like maybe you need to invest first? Is that money really Mm -hmm. necessary? Um, I know when I started, I bought my website domain and my Dubsado. And I think even my Dubsado, I was on the free trial until Mm -hmm. I maxed Mm -hmm. out my clients. So like, I didn't do any of the upgrades until I started bringing clients in. And as I brought in more clients, I was like, okay, now we can invest in this. Now we can invest in this. Now we can buy this out. And so I didn't have that luxury to just come in and like hire a coach or do any of those things or, you know, buy all the platforms immediately. So, you know, money is not one of those things you have to look at. There's there's tons of ways to work around it or do it completely free. Um, And even with automation, Zapier, huge Mm -hmm. automation tool. You do not have to pay for it until you start getting into like big stuff. Complicated Um, stuff. Yeah. And even then they're sort of workarounds you just create multiple accounts so oh, there you like, go jamie knows there's ways to go about it if you still don't <laughs> want to spend the money their dubsado lets you have up to three clients for free so you can test it out get to know your yep. systems get to know what you're doing and they let you have everything a lot of other platforms um they will restrict certain access into things they give you everything but i think adding in team members or user access so as of right now like you could get it for free to test things out. And it has your invoicing proposals, templates, like things to get you started and going. And their community is just super helpful. So there's always someone in there that is willing to share what they're doing and what their templates are if you really are like struggling in that area. So it's like, what do you really need right now to get a client? Like if you had to get a client Mm, in the next 24 hours, what does that look like? Like where do you go? Who do you start talking to? Is there... A webinar you can do, even if you don't have a list. Is there an interview you could go do with someone? Is there a Facebook group you could go live in? Because, like, honestly, the first three months of my business, I lived in Facebook groups. That's where all of my connections yep. came from. I had no ads. I didn't pay for marketing. Yep. I don't even think I had, like, at that point, it was Mailchimp, but I didn't even have like an email thing set up. I didn't have a freebie. I had no funnel. Um, when when did you start, that. Jamie? It was like two years ago, right? Or like, yeah, it was in summer. Like, yeah. So a year and a half ago, a year point? and a half. Yeah. yeah. So because I want to I'm pointing this out because 
Um, you know, there I've had guests who've had businesses, you know, four years, five years, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And like back then, man, like every right. group was like amazing and groups were really important and it, and it right. they basically became very quote unquote salesy. And so what happened was right. a lot of Facebook communities started to, you know, just be like, basically these 30,000 person groups started to get a little crazy. And so it turned into this big deal and people were like, oh, Facebook groups don't work anymore. And I think, and I just want to point out that that's not really true. Jamie and I started similar times and I also was coming in on somewhat of the tail end of that. Mm -hmm. But what's happened, I think, and and so, uh, yeah, I do want to say that like, helping people and showing Mm -hmm. up as an expert in these communities is totally possible. It's not like join my thing, join my thing. It's like if like, especially for a tech tool, like if Mm -hmm. you're envisioning that maybe your business is along these lines where it's like you're a VA or you're maybe doing like social media or some of these things that involve tools. If you go into the groups of the tools that you use and help people that's huge. And like, you never have to pitch. And it's always just Jamie is associated with Dubsado. Like that's how Mm -hmm. I saw you. And um, as somebody who can help people there. So I just want to kind of highlight that because it's not that like there's missed mixed messages around that. I think I've been really clear because I think the groups now are just more intimate. Like it's not about the size of the group. It's about like the almost like the intention or the cultivation of the people in that group that really matters. And so they're still powerful as relationship drivers. And if you're not going into groups going, I'm going to get a client here, you're going in going, how can I be of service to demonstrate how I know stuff, then that's okay. So I just wanted to kind of point that out. So here, here's what I like to tell people, because I feel like a lot of anyone online uses the dating analogy. Like if you're Mm. going into a Facebook group trying to look for a one night stand, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, like you, if I'm you're sure there are really bad attention. <laughs> yeah. right? There are apps like in case you guys haven't heard. No, yeah, <laughs> like don't go into there wanting to advertise. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Don't let that be your intention. Mm-hmm. Do things to where you know your profile screams that you're a business, like you're an entrepreneur yes. without you know so getting key. over that gray area. Because I know you can't use your personal profile. Whatever. You can't promote with it. Right. But you can say but it you have a business. Me crazy yeah. when people are like, "Oh, I'm a web developer," and I go to their profile i'm like but where's your web address like you can at least have your url on there (laughs) before this (laughs) call before this episode i was in a group and someone was talking about hiring a social media manager so here comes the flood of recommendations i start clicking on people because we're kind of looking for that right now um and i'm like I don't trust you. You don't have the link in the right place. Like if you're a social media manager, because just an FYI, profiles changed on Facebook within the last year. And what happened Mm -hmm. was, is we used to put our, any addresses we wanted people to click on in our like little tiny bio that you got your, you know, Mm -hmm. 20, you know, very short. Before they let you have all those links and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Now what you can do, and they weren't clickable, by the way, which is basically means they're useless. Now Facebook allows you to put all your stuff and it's right before all your pictures. It's a perfect spot. Mm -hmm. It's it's there for everyone to click. If you ain't got that figured out and you're going to touch my social media, not happening. Like, and, <laughs> well, see, and, that's and, the gray area because exactly. Facebook doesn't say you can't share your links on your profile no. because that's just who you are. You own a business. That's you. Correct. They yeah. just don't want you being like, click here for a promo code no, or like for yeah. this coupon deal or something, right? Yeah, you're not supposed to sell. So, 
quote right. unquote actively sell, I think. And so that's yeah, been this thing is it's like creep around. Well, I say creep, yep. but like in the Facebook groups to where if somebody clicks on you, there's that, oh, this is who they are. You're teasing. Yep. You're sort yep. of like, come and find me. Let's go on that first date. Mm-hmm. Like go into the groups wanting to find a marriage, not a one night <laughs> stand. And it will work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I think that's yeah, really, like yeah. that's the difference. Make yourself discoverable. That I that was the interview right. before this. I was talking with Dr. Jane Jones. We have a we have a little bit of a we struggle a little bit as academics, and maybe you having the heart of a teacher might you know maybe associate with this. Maybe not though with your entrepreneur background, but we kind of have like <laughs> this weird thing about like you know not wanting to come off salesy and like putting ourselves um, out there. Yeah. And so for us, you know, having that conversation in our head about like. If they don't know that you're doing this thing, you can't help them. So there's obviously right. you're not going to be gross, but like I think the line is further away uh like from being not posting at all. There's like the grossness mm-hmm. factor has to be like pretty gross for you to be turned off by it. So it is an issue right. we have. So like if people can't like do in one click see what you do, then you're you're basically allowing them not to be curious and like and just right. like following you. And so just look at your own behaviors and how you go and interact online. And if you find yourself doing that, that means people are doing it to you. So are you prepared? Right. Do you have, you know, things set up for them to, you know, find that out? But um, really good points. Definitely. Yeah. So I mean, like that, that was a lot of it is like, I got all of my leads and automation and stuff. So then six months into my business, when I'm going, I don't want to grow. I'm like, <laughs> I've never done a funnel. I've never done marketing. Like, what do I have to do now? And I just, I got Here really are these spoiled. crazy chicks on the internet talking about funnels. <laughs> right. right. So I'm like, oh, I don't have to do that. Like, why mm-hmm. would I need that? Because you I'm don't. doing these referrals. So mm-hmm. and because I went into it, I guess, sort of naive thinking, I guess I'm not going to earn any money from this. I'm just going to come mm. in here and learn. And then all of a sudden got clients and was like, oh, okay. And I found that true about my business overall in the last year and a half. Like I've pegged the points where I've sort of faltered a little bit. And I was like, this is going to sound weird, but it was the moments I was trying too hard. Like it was the moments that I was like almost going about it the wrong way that I was like, I need to go back to grassroots. Like I need to go back to relationship building and actually talking to people. And yes, there's more people. I'm going one to many, but mm. there's no reason why I can't build relationships with them. So it's it's that like looking at where I've been and been like, this was so much easier when I came out the gate because when I got flooded, it's because I did my first webinar and I was lucky enough to be able to post it inside of a Facebook group because at that point, Dubsado was they were allowing it because they were smaller. Um, so as they grew, they had to get rid of their you know, no promo rule type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was lucky enough to do that. But of course, like you get signed up, you don't know if people are going to actually attend and watch your thing. Sure. It's a scary, um, scary thing. Did the webinar. And then all of a sudden, my leads were filled and I had all these discovery calls and things on my calendar. And I'm like, oh, I guess that worked. But then I'm sitting here looking at it later. I'm like, why did that work? Well, because you actually were cultivating the relationship, you were teaching them something you didn't care Mm. about giving them a little bit of free content because it was going to, you know, ruin the rest of your stuff. Like you were helping people with their business and in return, they wanted to keep working with you. And it's just interesting, like how you go back and you're like, why did I stop doing that? Like Mm. why, why did that become a thing that I was, that scarcity mindset set in? Like, when did that happen? So yeah, I think all entrepreneurs sort of go through that. But even for me, like with that relationship building, so this is going to throw in that automation piece is I've have talked to a lot of like 
coaches or people in the consulting realm. And I think this really is a lot of your audience because it seems like for teachers, the biggest thing is like going to coaching and consulting and trying to offer their knowledge in some way of, you know, they, they look at automation and think, okay, that removes me from my business or Ooh, I, I can no yeah. longer, you know, connect with my audience because I'm automating. And uh-huh, uh-huh. like, and automating it's not shouldn't true. be yeah. robotic. Like, the, no. like you, you're not creating a solely 100% automated process. Like you're looking at the pieces and figuring out like, do you really need to be doing X? Well, no, mm. because you need to be working in that coaching program or with your clients, not sending a proposal or looking at your invoices or whatever that looks like. So it's it's looking at your process and thinking, okay, do I need to be spending 10 hours a week in admin work? Like, mm-hmm. okay, but I can't hire someone right now. Well, if you can't hire someone right now, then you need to figure out a way to automate those pieces. And that's where things like Dubsado and Zapier um, come into things because they help you connect your tools, connect what you're using, automate what you can, and, you know, just grow your business more organically to where it doesn't feel robotic. Um, And there's also other ways to do it, like adding videos to your welcome packet, adding videos Uh, to your lead capture page. Yeah, like the personal touches. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can create those to where it doesn't sound so canned. I mean, just an example, canned emails. People look at them and they're like, well, they're, they're impersonal. Okay, but what's to say that you don't pre-write that canned email for that client? So you do a discovery call, you you figure out that you want to offer them whatever service, you get off the call with them and you write your follow-up email that would go out in two weeks or something, but you write it as soon as you get done with the call. It's now mm-hmm. automated, set in your system, ready to go. It was easy for you to write because it was at the fresh of your mind right after the call. But you don't have to think about it. The follow-up didn't get missed. Like you didn't miss that opportunity with the client completely. And it just created your process for that going forward. So it's just little things like that that I've had to tune people into. Like you can do follow-up without it just being like, hey, sir, how was your day? Like there's other ways to go about it. And then they've come out with other things like Bonjoro. Yes, I love Bonjoro. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, like it's it's looking at it and going, okay, where are your pain points? Where are you struggling? Where do you see there being a potential struggle? Because writing it on paper just makes you want to sweat. Like, Mm. what are those pieces (laughs) for you? And then having either someone like me or going into a Facebook group and asking other people like, okay, other coaches, other photographers, whoever it is, what do you do? Like, what pieces do you incorporate? And and taking it piece by piece and making that work for you. Because I I never want to make someone's job harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So the whole reason people come to me is not only to like automate, but because they want to make their business better than it already is. Like they yes. want to serve their clients, not just have a client, not just get paid by their client. Like they want to serve them. Yeah, it's and not so, like a selfish thing. It's coming from a right. place of you want it to be a premium experience. Like that's that's right. also really important. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that that's been the big buzz too is like how do you create a client experience? It's not client onboarding anymore. It's it's a client <laughs> experience because it's not just the minute you get them. And I know when I came in I got so frustrated cuz I was like, "Well, how do you onboard your client?" And they're like, "Oh, you send them a contract." 
That's not onboarding. Like no. that, that's getting them to pay. That's the sales process. <laughs> onboarding for me starts like after the contract, like after it's paid and settled and you're ready to go. So I'd be like, okay, how do how do I bring them in? Like, what does mm. that welcome sequence look like? What do we do now? You're like, oh, you just do the thing. But uh, no, because you need to set the foundation and set the relationship. What do you mean you just do the thing? Like, that just sounds so weird. Mm-hmm. So it, I I spent a lot of time, like, just watching other people and seeing what they did and trying to develop that. So now when I go into calls and strategy with people, it's like, okay, do you have something to welcome your people in once they pay you? Or do you look like that one night stand that just didn't call them? Sure. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. what does that look like? Because that's where you get the, well, my VA ghosted me or I paid this person and nothing happened. And like, because no one's thinking through past getting paid, like Mm. they they know they need to do that service, but they're not thinking, okay, do I put it on a calendar? When do I book out? Am I booking into next month? Like, when do I, do I introduce a team member? Like, what does that look like for your business? So it's not just like that beginning admin stuff. Sometimes it's also figuring out there is that in between, because oftentimes that relationship building piece is what creates your referrals. It creates Mm -hmm. return clients. It creates a bigger audience because once you welcome that them in, in that like honeymoon stage, Everything else is so much more smooth and it's so much easier to like have that relationship while you're working with them than to just jump right in because you never built that relationship. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, like it's just learning those things and like knowing that a year and a half ago, like no one was talking about this. Like it wasn't about client experience. It was just the client. Yeah. It's the same thing with courses. It wasn't about (laughs) the students. It was all about how much money can you make off of them? And now it's like, oh, wait, if they actually like finish <laughs> lifetime value, Yeah, you value, want them to right? complete your stuff? Like they're supposed yeah, to get weird. to the last thing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so funny. Well, I remember too, like when I created my first course, it's so funny, like going through um, like your million dollar roster stuff because mm-hmm. one, one problem we had is we try to do a drip course and people just waited for it to come out. Like they didn't follow it in order. And so uh, yeah. we tried to do it in order because we're like, well, there's an order to this. You can't skip because if you skip, you end up with a headache. So we were trying to create this like sequential order to things and figured out that people don't follow that. Like they they don't want to do that. But the other problem was, is we're like, well, how do we get them to complete the stuff they don't want to complete? Like, how do we get them to complete uh, these uh-huh. things in the order we yep. need them to? Um, because you can't go to step 10 until you've done some of the legwork. And yep. I remember saying to someone, I'm like, you know, it's not our responsibility or our job if they don't finish. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I feel like I want to kick myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why did you say that? Because but it, it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense why we would think that. It's because. Um, well, it's like uh, as a teacher, when you have someone failing your class, like, do you really yeah. take personal yeah, you, know, you have to. You, there's like it's a mix. It's like we both have a responsibility. So my responsibility is to try to figure out how to help you, and like mm-hmm. your responsibility is to show up and give it a shot. You know, so there's right. like a mix. But I think it's it's easy it's easy to understand where it came from, and that's because marketers were teaching us how to teach, and that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, they actually don't know what they're talking about. They're just telling you how to market something, and that's good. They're telling you how they made money, but they don't really know what it means to teach. And so they think the course is the slides and the videos, but it's like so much more. And obviously, as educators, we totally get that. 
Well, and I think you were the first person who ever said completion rate because I was like, mm. I think no one's talking about this because the rates probably aren't good to share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're bad. <laughs> typically. Why yeah. you don't <laughs> it's that, talk about it. I mean, I, and I've said this before too. It's like completion rates are something we should look at, but we can't totally focus on because completion means something to someone else. Like there's different barometers of it, but like, mm. I also think there's so much blame to be placed on the you're being sold something at every turn and so as a consumer mm. we're just like constantly battling like our own inner self like do i need this to succeed and like will right. this get me to the next level and so people are buying products that they really just shouldn't be and so you know is that does that mean that it's a terrible teacher because you know 97% of people don't finish courses or is it like people are being sold stuff using like really intense psychological, like, you know, <laughs> triggers, right. To make us buy yeah. things. And so it's like a mix of both. And so, you know, I think some of the change will be yes on the student experience, you know, just like what we're talking about related to client experience, like what's a baseline and how could you up level that baseline? Like you mentioned, right. you know, it's typical that someone just gets an invoice when they're accepted for a call like how, what could you change in that, mm -hmm. you know, that can be opt automated, that might be a video, maybe it doesn't say their name, but you have a video of like, here's what to expect. Now right. you're, you know, better than 95% of people who are selling something. So, you know, I think the course experience is going to up level and people are going to be like, oh, they care about me. And that's going to change. That's important. And then I think the, yeah, like getting better at telling people know that you're not ready to buy this and just like, you know, like mm -hmm. getting better intakes for courses is going to improve the course completion rates too. So I think um, that was anyways. 90% of my bad client experiences mm. was not being savvy enough to say you have other steps to do. You're not ready. Uh, and so then I huge. would take on whatever because yeah. I wanted the client or I needed the money or whatever the case may be. And then was sitting there going, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> like I yeah. knew better. And I still do it a little bit every once in a while, but it's usually for the people that I'm like, okay, I really, really, really want to work with you. So I'll just bite this bullet. I know what's coming. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it, that's been a learning curve in and of itself. Like sales is one of those things that you just I feel like you can't really teach you just have to learn like there's basic things in sales and terms and stuff but until you're doing it and you're on discovery calls and coffee chats and all those things like you, you won't know the red flags you won't understand like how to figure out okay do I tell them to go download something else first do I tell them to go to this freebie and then call me back in a month like do I follow up with them mm -hmm. like are they ready for this bigger service, even though this is what I'm promoting right now? Or should I tell them to go for something else? Like it, yeah, there, that, that struggle is definitely huge. And mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people try and offboard their sales process, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like that has to be mm, partially us yeah, yeah, yeah. too, you know, depends on you, your business. Yeah, or you have to know it so well and like right. your, it's almost like the sales process. I, yeah. I have a friend who does sales uh, locally. So we hang out a lot and she's, you know, talks about, yeah, how do the right people fill out applications? Are you asking the right questions? I think mm -hmm. there's ways to do it well if you outsource sales, but you probably are going to have to go through doing it a lot yourself and and actually really, truly knowing who your ideal person to work with is, um, which, yeah, is, is so key. 
for sure. Awesome. Well, Jamie, this has been so fun. I feel like I I've loved kind of reliving this, like our relationship <laughs> and like, and just like little things, you know, that I got to learn about you that you, about you today. That's been so fun. What are you working on right now? Where, like, where are you headed for 2019? What's your big vision? Yeah, so my 2019 vision right now is to go back and really like perfect what I've done before I mm, move to my next thing. Because I realized that I kept building without really going back. So now I've got, I mean, like I I did the Dipsado setup guide and mm-hmm. they completely redid their user interface and they're now launching their scheduler. So I'm like, okay, Ooh, I want to be exciting. Like, redo this stuff and fine tune it. I've learned stuff about my audience that I didn't know before mm. um, and really like get that going and perfected before I move to the next thing. Um, I'm hoping to do like some coaching and intensives and attend some events this next year because I haven't really had a chance to go out and attend conferences and events. But yeah, I do a lot of strategy now. Like most of my stuff Mm. is more strategy based, more like making it easier for you to implement things because most entrepreneurs want to have their hands wet. You know, they want to hire someone to help them guide through it, but they don't necessarily want someone to do all the dirty work. So mm-hmm. I've been helping a lot of people with the strategy end and packaging it together so that they can implement. So a lot of my stuff is just the same old thing. I'm just expanding into a little bit more tools, a little bit more tech and making that easy for people to digest. So um, I just put everything, all my freebies and stuff into what I call my Savvy Entrepreneur's Toolkit um, so I've divided it up by the different areas that people normally want to learn. So like time management, client management, and you can just um, digest what you need when you need it. And mm. I'm there to answer questions and it comes right through me because I use member vaults and they're awesome. So shout out. Um, cool. And where can, where are you most hanging out online? Would you say like, what's your kind of, oh man, area? Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I probably hang out on Facebook quite a bit. I've gone into Insta sure. stories, but my feed Me too. is like empty. <laughs> me too. I literally <laughs> just said that the other day. My feed makes no sense, but if you want to see me and my dog and <laughs> coffee and I don't know what else I take pictures of, but yeah, totally. So, and I'm on all of those as Hey Jamie Russell. So you can find me on any of those um, using Hey Jamie Russell as the handle. Um, and my website is jamierussells with an S.com. Ooh, nice. And we will drop all of that below. Well, thank you, my dear friend. Awesome. Thank you very much, Lindsay. 